Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But every piece of money that transfers and I mean you're talking drug money yeah. so you're talking yeah. hundreds of thousands millions probably the Hualadars get 10% yeah. so that's a lot of money when it comes to drug money yeah. and that money is going from Iran directly to Hezbollah to fund them yeah. and that's the big problem I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World a podcast about criminals drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe A tiny Iranian island known as the Pearl of the Persian Gulf has been identified as a hub for Kinahan Dirty Money and is where America's Drug Enforcement Agency believe that their drug funds made their way into the hands of Hezbollah. Kish Island is part of Iran, but it's also a free trade zone with lax banking practices, making it attractive to the top end of organised crime. Kish Island is part of Iran, but is also a free trade zone with lax banking practices making it attractive to the top end of organised crime. Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald about Kish and its links to the Kinahan organisation. And we discuss the changing face of Daniel Kinahan, from Oliver Bond's schoolboy to international drug don with a hankering for home. This is Crime World a podcast from sundayworld.com. This business with Iran and the Kinahans and all the rest of it, they have been in and out of Iran in the past, but my understanding is that they have remained in Dubai since the sanctions of April 2022. Right. And they haven't moved out of Dubai at all. They're still there. Um, I know I've had many reports of people who have seen Daniel and yeah. describe him as looking absolutely wrecked, worse yeah. for wear, um, stressed out. Yeah. They are all, the description that people have given me of them is that they're like literally on edge, constantly waiting for the knock on the door that could happen any morning. Um, some people will say, oh, they'll get the nod when they're going going for them, the police yeah. in Dubai, which they probably will, given that we know the amount of influence they've had in the United Arab Emirates over the time. But they are not in Iran. They have not fled the, no. to Dubai, to Oman or to various other places. No. So many rumours have gone around 
about them. Some of them put out by themselves yeah. and some of them generally just sort of, I suppose, inform speculation as well as everything yeah. else. But they remain in Dubai. But Iran is very significant in the whole story. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it's like, obviously, the, the you can see what the attraction of Iran would be for the Guinness. I mean, they literally... What? Well, I mean, they literally... Do not but they're talk. men, which helps. Well, a man, well, I wasn't even thinking in those terms. I was thinking in terms of what country is definitely not going to extradite you to the US. Indeed. And it really comes down to North Korea, Iran, and a couple of others. Yeah, like, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. So like Iran. So is, the choices are small. Well, they are small. But yeah. I mean, look, there certainly is never going to be any uh, diplomatic engagement between those countries, mm. you would imagine. I mean, obviously, the, the Iranians and the Americans did talk at some point over over uh, in recent years. But at the moment, that's just not going to happen. And you can see why that would be a place mm. that they would have as a backup in mind, I suppose. But what would life be like in Iran? Well, I mean, well, OK, we'll come on to this island that yeah. I was writing about yeah. at the weekend. Which was actually really interesting, I thought. The Pearl that. of the Persian Gulf. Yeah. Did you think that was interesting? I I, I just... No, I actually read, uh, I, I'd love to say I knew loads about Kish Island before you mentioned it, but it's actually, like you see, Iran... The fact th that we didn't know it exists is no. interesting. There's no doubt about it. Like, I mean, Iran has tourism. Can yeah. you believe that? Well, I can, Nicola, because oh. Iran, no, before the Iranian Revolution... Like, you have to remember, Iran was like uh, Thailand or something like yeah. that. It was on the hippie trail. Yeah. I mean, it was a totally different country before the Iranian Revolution. It's not... What year was that? That was well, 1980. That was, I'll look that up yeah. while you're talking. So, I mean, like, Iran is not a sort of monolithical kind of, uh, you know, country. Like, you know, mm -hmm. there's a very young population. It's a very, quite a developed country and a lot of different things going on in Iran that we probably don't perceive in, in the Western media, you know? Like, so, I mean, obviously there is this place, Kish Island, it's called. What would you, did you describe it as? It's the Costa del Sol of the yeah. Persian Gulf or something like that. It's the Costa like del Sol. There's slightly more relaxed rules. Just before we forget there, I'll just tell you that the, the revolution was in 1979. Well, you see, before and before the revolution, like Iran was a very kind of middle class liberal country in many ways. Mm -hmm. Very highly educated population. Still one of the youngest populations in the world in terms of people being under 25. You know, we have a very particular perception of it, which, you know, the Ayatollahs and this sort of thing. But like, it's probably not, it isn't that type of country en masse for sure. Um, so I don't know why, but like, so I was born in 1974. Mm. So I was five when yeah, that Iranian yeah. revolution yeah. happened. But as a child, the Ayatollah Khomeini was very yeah. much in my head yeah he was very much was it that the news was on i don't Not know totally like i mean if like he was he was the uh but i think we might have known persians who had fled with their totally whatever I mean, they had left i mean of course in more recent years and through our work we know that the you know that revolution the rise of khomeini and when when people had to flee mm. they went with their they couldn't take their money, wasn't that right? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they nationalised all the oil and all of that. I mean, look, the Americans' uh, role in, in, in Iran is not... Scientists and everybody yeah. had to just literally up and leave. So, I mean, the, the and yeah, the Americans didn't have a glorious role in all of that either. Mm. Like, but, but you have to, so I suppose 
but gee, but this is geopolitical uh, crime world. This is I really this is too much. But I suppose it's it. You know, it is a, a different type of country, really, than maybe we perceived of it growing up. I mean, you know, there's huge like heavy metal scene and all of that, and there's obviously a, at the moment there's huge social upheaval at the moment about uh, from from women within Iran and the the role that they've that's being inf- enforced on them as they mm. perceive it. You know, so so. But I don't think the Kinnans are. Picking they're around. that interested in the history of it. No, no, I think what they're saying they're looking at this place, Kish. Yeah. Which, when you look it up, it's it's a small island. I think it said it was a population of something like fifty five thousand, or or fifty. Was it not fifty or five? Was it? Um. So it's basically one of these free ports. Mm. What is it? Fifty thousand. No, no, look it's in between it. yours and mine. <laughs> Thirty thousand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Look. What's a few thousand? No, there was friends? something. No, because I did. I was actually when I was writing mm. it. It was something about maybe there was a there was five thousand. Maybe it was a part of this yeah. particular area they were in in Kish, but there was kind of like a, a full time population of yeah maybe five, and then the rest of them are visitors. Yeah, I think it said a million visitors a year mm. or so. So it's really you know, million is, figures anyway. Yeah, so it's it's basically a kind of a it's 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 an area of the country and an island that's off the coast and they're they allow these more relaxed rules and they're trying to bring in obviously investment now they're not going to get uh you know american intel and facebook aren't going to land in kish island because there's huge sanctions against iran still in the us it would not be looked on kindly or at, or at all possible so instead they're trying to attract other money and in in order to attract that money they allow this place to exist which is something like dubai where you know western rules are going to be allowed they're going to be allowed to sell alcohol things along those lines um, but what sort of money are in they going to get? In particular, it's not that relaxed. And there's there's apparently the airport is absolutely stunning. Yeah. There's four terminals yeah. in it, even though it's such a tiny island with such a tiny population. And actually it was in between yours and mine, the population is 25,000 right, residents right. and a million visitors is right. But yeah, four terminals and women, when they come into the country, they ha- are immediately taken and they're given clothing to wear yeah. when they're on the island, which is the full, the, you know, the full covering. And they are expected to wear that at all times when on the island. Yeah. And then they give it back when yeah. they go to the airport. Okay. And wait. So okay. you don't have to bring your own gear. Right. Which would be handy if yeah. you were coming from here for a holiday because you wouldn't. Where would you go to buy <laughs> that stuff? Um, and of course, you know, what yeah. sort of thread would you use in that heat? Yeah. And of course, they, they whether they're even whatever about the, the social aspect of it, like they, they certainly have liberal rules regarding investment and and paying tax and all of those things it's one of these free trade zones which we first came upon if you remember yeah i do which was about 2016 i think it was september of 2016 from memory yeah and there had been a raid on the then named mgm gym in marbella yeah um and the police had gone in I think James Quinn had been arrested in relation to the murder of Gary Hutch. He was later found guilty of that murder. But the gym in Porta Banus that I had visited back in 2012 was raided. And when we looked online for through the company records, you and I, we went through the stuff. We discovered that just weeks previous, the intellectual rights of MGM had been transferred to a place called Raz Al 
Camus? I don't, yeah. Camus? And basically a a sort of post office box effectively in a free port, which, you know, free port. Razal Camus, or AS, Ras, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. In actual fact, I did get a a call, or sorry, an encrypted email from somebody very close to the Kinahan organization to tell me that I pronounced it wrong and to shame me for that. So I'll just do it as Razal Camus. It's the largest city and capital of the Emirates. And it's the sixth largest city in the UAE. It is a free trade zone where you can register companies without ever giving any details. Exactly. Um, So Kish is the same. Well, Kish is the same, except for there's a layer of protection there that Dubai, as Dubai has, uh, you know, certainly attracted a lot of dirty money um, as it it started to flourish, uh, not just from organized criminals in Ireland, obviously from all over Europe, and then a lot of from Eastern Europe political figures as well, from places like Russia. A lot of people flooded there because of the lax legislation around money laundering and various other things. Um, But as Dubai has become more successful, they've tried to merge it back in again with the international community. And the international community, like the EU and the US, are making it clear we're not going to allow this to be a, the Wild West. So the, Dubai have started to tighten up money laundering legislation, extraditing people, all of those things. Christy Kinnan and, and his sons must be sitting there and thinking, this could come for us and where could we go next? And, you know, really Iran probably is somewhere that they would look at and think, we're not going to be extradited from this place quickly or easily. Um, there's there's effectively no diplomatic relations between those countries. There's no extradition treaty. Even if there was an extradition treaty, we'd be way down the list. Mm. Um, so I think that's what they're looking at. Um, you think they'd see it as an option. Can I read you from the Lonely Planet? You can. Kish Island, welcome to Iran's Sunshine Coast. However you label it, say hello to this attractive island that since 1970s has become a beach resort where visitors can swim, shop and sample a laid back and relatively liberated local lifestyle. Iran's most hedonistic spot, Kish, is booming. Hotels, apartment blocks and retail complexes, brackets, it enjoys free trade zone status, dominate the once empty desert landscape and domestic tourist numbers are on the rise, especially in winter when it's freezing cold on the mainland. Kish is largely ignored by foreign tourists, though. That's a shame because a visit here is a great way to experience Iran from an altogether different perspective. Leave the sight-laden cities of the mainland and come here to enjoy sea, sand and sun in a relaxed atmosphere. There you go. Relaxed. No uh, DEA agents. No DEA. Well, funny enough, not funny enough, but um, an FBI agent um, was actually went missing from the... um, from Kish Island some years ago, uh, it remains a, an unsolved case. Yeah. I actually included that in um, in the article. I'll pull that up now while you're... Yeah. So, I mean, you can see what that, that attraction would be because the net certainly is, is, is closing in on it. And, you know, we have had, uh, you know, some suggestions now, very strong suggestions that part of why the Americans have taken such an interest in the Kenyan cartel have been their ties with with Iran and given the nature of the fact that Iran are regarded effectively as a terrorist state by the American government, mm. that seems to have helped draw attention on the Kinnans and certainly allowed the Gardaí to make a case that these that 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 these weren't an ordinary, for want of a better word, drug drug smuggling cartel. 
And we'll just explain that a bit. It, the FBI officer was Robert Levison. He yeah. disappeared in the, in the mid 2000s from a hotel on that island after going to interview an American convert to Islam there. And okay. his case remains unsolved. Now, the, the kind of the first links to between the Kinahans and Hezbollah, the terror group um, suspected of being funded by Iran, was when in 2016, the Dutch criminal Noafal Fassi was discovered in a safe house here in Dublin, the Kinahan safe house. There was a, a raid and he was found. They didn't know who he was, sent his details through Interpol. And it turned out he was wanted in the Netherlands. Now, he was wanted in connection with a number of gangland murders in Holland, including that of a guy called Mohammed Samadi, who was an Iranian who had been sentenced to death by Tehran because he was accused of a 1980s bombing, which had killed uh, 73 people. And he was living in the Netherlands under an assumed identity. But presumably the government of the Netherlands had allowed him well, I to mean, reside there, given him some sort of political yeah, I mean, they, status. They, what happened, I suppose, was the Iranian state and this is partly why, you know, they were judged to be a terrorist organization is that they did attempt to uh, kill political dissidents um, outside of the country. Um, probably something similar to what, it, what the Russians have mm. done. So they did arrange these 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 hits if possible. Um, obviously, they, in this case, they had connections with that broader organization, the Morocco Mafia, the Kenyan cartel, the super cartel, effectively. Mm -hmm. And they they hired a hitman, basically, uh, to, to to kill this guy. Um, who was Fassi. Who was Fassi, you know, yeah. um, and who he was ultimately uh, convicted of it, I believe. He and, was, and he was on the run here, yeah. you know, in relation to that. He was hiding uh, out yeah, here and, in the Kinahan And, and other offences as well. So, I mean, he is at the top of the, uh, the absolute top of that organisation yeah. that is effectively run by Ridwan Taji. Um, so it's a it's a disturbing kind of, uh, I think it was described as a nexus by by uh, uh, former Assistant Commissioner John O'Driscoll. So, I mean... He was talking about it all recently, so it's not just... Uh, no, it's not just kind of speculation or yeah. off-the-record sources. So, I mean, what he, he's saying is it was a nexus between organised crime and terrorism, um, and that drew the American attention of on it. Like, obviously, the other part of it is is the money laundering mm. Um the Huala money laundering system, which is the ancient sort of um, yeah. system that has been used by the Kinahan organization. Yes, which is kind of based in in, in that part of the world mm. and involves kind of, uh, I've always, I'm not even going to attempt to explain this because I always get it slightly wrong. But basically, you know, what, what, what uh, the assistant commissioner, former assistant commissioner has said is that they, the Kinahans, they identify places like Iran where these money transfers are possible, where they're not going to be traced, where they're not going to be subject to warrants, they're not going to be subject to, to you know, having to be handed over. And they're using it, I don't think he, anybody is suggesting that they are committed to Hezbollah or believe in their causes, but what they're really committed to is finding places and they'll work with anybody to launder their money as long as it can be done beyond the reach of, of police forces. And I suppose their money has become so vast that, so the, that Huala system, which I'll explain to you again, but it's basically yeah. a system where I don't totally understand it myself, but there are these Hawala Dars yeah. who are the sort of the banks yeah. in, in various regions of yeah. the world. And if you want to transfer money, there's this sort of credit and debit system. Yeah. And from my understanding of it, sort of the Iranian sort of government essentially would be a Hawala Dar yeah. almost. You know what I mean? They're almost transferring. But every 
piece of money that transfers, and I mean, you're talking drug money. Yeah. So you're talking yeah. hundreds of thousands, millions probably. The Hawaladars get 10%. Yeah. So that's a lot of money when it comes to drug money. Yeah. And that money is going from Iran directly to Hezbollah to fund them. Yeah. And that's the big problem. And I mean, and what they're saying, uh, the Guardi effectively, are, I think they described it as being reckless by the Guinans, that mm-hmm. they don't, they didn't care no. who they were getting involved with as long as they could make this money, clean this money. And it was described, yeah, as reckless. And, and but that has attracted the, the, uh, the, the attention of the US government, who are very, uh, you know, who obviously have ties, very strong ties with the Israeli government. Hezbollah are, are regarded as being one of the primary threats to Israel. Um, you know, I feel like we're in an episode of Homelands here, and I are, should be starting to stick things up all over the Do you know what? Is, do you know what the, these things are like? Again, if somebody had said to you um, when we were writing, saying ten years ago with Chris Kinnan inviting people to, to boxing matches, if I said, "Oh, they're all to you, they're all mixed up with with Hezbollah and mm. there's ties," you would, it just sounds like wacky conspiracy theory. But this is what's unfolding. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, you know. Isn't it a long way from for Daniel and Christopher yeah. Kinahan J- Jr. from Oliver Bond to Kish yeah. Island in Iran yeah. to the uh, like the journey they have made yeah. over yeah. two decades, yeah. two and a half decades has been quite extraordinary. Incredible. Like, I mean, an incredible tale. Nothing like, wrong with Oliver Bond. No. It's just where they grew up. No. It's like me saying it's a big journey from yeah, of you course, know, of course. To, no, it's a massive. But I mean, like to go from that into that world of yeah literally to, homelands oh yeah to go from like you know controlling the cultural the f- differences and everything that they have experienced and yeah. that they're operating in and it just shows you how money can bring you anywhere doesn't yeah, it? it into does. any single culture into any religious grouping it, it, doors open yeah across the world when it comes to money and then it's starting to get narrower, you see. Mm. So they got really, really wide and now it's starting to narrow in where they can't go to America. They can't move out of Dubai. They can't invest their money in in, in loads of places in the world. And it's getting narrower and narrower. Mm. And they're down to maybe an island off the coast of Iran, for example, because they're the places that they could go to, you know, they were, you know, only f- four or five years or whatever they could float around Ireland. Do you remember Daniel Kinnan coming back yeah. through Dublin Airport and being greeted by photographers? I mean, that's not so long ago, but the world, for all that it got so open and wide, is now it's become so tiny. For it's them. become so tiny, yeah. and the route, the route to avoid uh, ending up in prison. It's gotten really, really narrow. And will become smaller, uh, you know, as, you know, the weeks and months, if we, if they're, if they have months left, who knows? Um, you know, it will become smaller because the fact of the matter is that Daniel Kinahan is as likely to show up in the special criminal court here in Dublin as he is in, uh, in Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, it's, it's either the States or Ireland for him. Yeah. I think his father, Christy Kinahan Sr., given the massive investigation into money laundering, in Spain, yeah. it's either Spain or the US for him. Yeah. And as regards Christy Kinahan Jr., nobody seems to really talk about him. He he just, while he was, 
you know, on the money laundering end of his father's business. And do you remember in Operation Shovel in 2010, that sort of map they drew of yeah. the Kinahan organization you had at that point, you had Christy Kinahan Sr. at the top of it, along with John Cunningham. Yeah. Where the hell is John Cunningham? I don't know. Hidden out in Spain. If anybody knows, please get in contact because <laughs> I'd be very interested in tapping yeah. him up or knocking on his door. But you had the two of them. Yeah. And then underneath them, directly underneath them, you had... Uh, to the right was Daniel Kinahan in charge of what the Google Translate said was difficult decisions, i.e. Yeah, murders. Yeah, yeah. And to the left was Christopher Kinahan Jr., who was money laundering yeah. with the help of others. And there was always this impression that did Jr., Kinahan Jr., did he, was he there because, because of, of his name? Yeah, well, or, I don't know. Or, or was and he, he did seem to, skills? and he did seem to be, do a good bit of traveling you know, around yeah. to, to, to do some of these things face to face regarding the money. What I find curious is, look, I know there's all this, you mm. know, there's all these, this talk about um, MI5 and, mm. um, you know, the Kinahans being informants and yeah. the only reason they're left standing is because yeah. they're still of use. They're still handing up others that they've handed up all the super cartel that they knew that the DEA were watching the wedding that they've been in. We'll never know no. whether any of that is true and nor will it ever be confirmed. Maybe when I'm in my 80s or something, somebody will come out as a whistleblower and I'll be too old yeah. for anybody to be bothered listening to me. But um, I like what I always found curious was I do know that Christopher Kinahan Jr. was moving in and out of London Yeah, at a time. I mean, I'm talking about the last you know, number of years when I know for a fact that Daniel Kinahan wouldn't have left Dubai. Yeah. But he certainly was moving in and out of London. And you'd have to wonder why would he take the risk at coming not only back into Europe, but right into the UK? I mean, well, was he I mean, was it conceivable he was facing any charges, I suppose? So maybe the risk was not as for him. Yeah. But they were all still surely at risk. I mean, you didn't see Christopher Kinahan Sr. moving much. I mean, we don't know, was he moving around between China and, you know, wherever else he goes, but they weren't coming into Europe, any of them. Yeah, and I mean, look. Junior was and certainly felt yeah. comfortable to do that. That's the, only, I'm just, just saying, I just, I mean, I don't know about any of this. Obviously, you know, rivals and criminal organizations will always say somebody's ratting but and that's, that they're that's what they always like to say and i mean who like you have to ask you know if they they got to the size they got to like who who are they you know who are they you know who they, well they got to they, an enormous size and scale and they did get away with an awful lot over the years and you know are they that clever or are they political well, and I have think, they been playing the game well i think if you look at well i mean I would put it down to cleverness myself primarily because if you look from where they came to where they an ended up and you see even just even these kind of the things about Christie Senior with, with his businesses and buying planes and all that, you just see somebody who's kind of operating a level ahead. Um, He's definitely always looking into the future. You can see that. I mean, in 2016, when the boys arrive in Dubai yeah. and they're kind of inner circle, yeah. largely from Dublin and their childhood friends, some of them. Um, he's already on his way to Zimbabwe. Yeah. He's on his way out of the Gulf. He's got sick of that. It's 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 he's gone beyond and, it. And if you look at if you look at say Taji and 
you know, from what we know of as criminal organization, it seems to be really ruled by a kind of a fear, like he's going to mm -hmm. kill everybody who gets in his way. Yeah. But Christie Sr. is obviously operating at a, a sort of a, a more advanced level. He seems to have a knowledge of, of, you know, politics and finance and things like that. So I'm always wary of people saying just because they got away with it, they're informers. I know because, you have to be wary yeah. of it. Of course you have to be wary of it. But at the same time, I suppose, you know, sometimes when you dip into a little bit of what happened in the north, you see what's possible. You do. Uh, and you see how a it's moral kind of slightly ignorant to think that isn't possible. No, and I mean, the it, you know, it's, it's stage, kind of very... Um, when it comes to things like terrorism, for example, you know, governments, internet, like governments have, have, can behave in a very amoral way. Like, mm. so, and you see that with the, the US government and the UK government, where if they're getting information on terrorism, they will let other things slide. Yeah. And that, that, that they have operated like that. So there, it is conceivable, but I would be skeptical, I have to say, because just because of the size of the mm. criminal organization that they operate. And in, the, the, the level you would like to think that the level of violence that, you know, they were, they were perpetrating. Yeah. That that wouldn't be acceptable. But no. again, you yeah. know, we look to, we look to the North, we look to the US, we look to the sort of the, the corruption that has gone on between criminal organization, government, police systems, like. Yeah. I mean, it's where, you know, it where is to, the, you have to keep an open mind, I think is what I, I mean to say. You'd like to think in an ideal world, there's absolutely no way the Kinahans were working as informants or were allowed to get away with any of what yeah. they have got away with so far. But I think you probably have to just sort of. Well, you slightly, can't. Yeah, you can't look. I mean, you have to look at, uh, you know, maybe I just need to. <laughs> if you're getting. Take a break. <laughs> <laughs> well. What do you think? Another holobops? Uh, sure, why not? Something yeah. go on your holidays. They'll probably, probably be extradited then because that'll be your... Do you know what it is? The more time I have on my hands, it's it's actually, I, I'm better off kept busy, busy, busy. You know, when I'm like hyper busy that I don't actually have time to think you, about and of these things. Definitely, definitely. You have it's to be, that, you have to, you need constant stimulation, yeah, Nicola. That's the... Um, you know, you can't be left disorder, to your own devices. <laughs> you can't be left to your own devices. Diagnose that? No, not not on air. But no. yeah, it's it's it certainly is a you need to be kept busy. That's yeah, what I'm because going I've to actually sort of and I, as I said to you, I've been having great night sleeps and I've been very good and you know now bed early and all that sort of yeah. stuff for the last while. But the brain is just going like ninety with all this sort of stuff. That when I start thinking about it, when I apply myself to it, yeah. So yeah. But like that one. In better Homeland's, go back on maybe. tour again. You'll come in here now one day. Did you ever see Homeland? <laughs> I, I did. Oh, and I've seen. Uh, no, but I have seen. Uh, there's uh, what's it, the thing? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Did you ever see that where he builds up his conspiracy well, theory? She, when she's sort of, I suppose, unwell or yeah, when yeah, her, yeah. like her disorders are kind of kicking in. She's drawing you walk in and the entire room is just, you know, post-its. Yes. With connections and lines. And all. Yes. You'll come in here and yeah. it'll, be like, it'll be like that. She'll go, yeah. she's... <laughs> <laughs> or else the Indo Daily will just come in and rip it all down. Go on, me. just write another book, Nicola. Yeah, that's what you'll have to do. Yeah. But yes, sorry, we have slightly gone off. Yeah, no, but it is it is interesting um that that Kish is, is an interesting place because I think I think you can see, you know, in our I remember actually saying, I think, in this podcast, where are they gonna go? Afghanistan and yeah. hide their money in a cave. But it's interesting to see somewhere like that that you can see that they could live there. Yeah. You could see that in it the would standards be, they're used yeah, to. And you could see that it would be a livable circumstance and you mm. could see how they would, you know, 
they would at least be untouchable for the moment by the US government. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. But they're not there. They're so not there. They, if they if they could somehow manage to get but there, I you think mean they, over yeah, the next, yeah, I think they, they might looked, get another year or two. Yeah, and I think they looked at places like Zimbabwe as well, which yeah. would kind of be regarded as a rogue state. I think they. Well, looked Kinahan at... Well, Senior certainly looked at that, but I, there was no evidence that the the uh, no. But I think they were, they must did. have been looking at these places around the world mm. where it's kind of a fallback uh, position. I, I think. think Daniel Kinahan was as an individual was just feeling so untouchable. I mean, to think that. That, you know, that famous interview that he gave to James yeah. English that we've never heard, which is so no. unfortunate. Yeah. I'd love to get my hands on that and have a listen to it. It was two and a half or three hours. Yeah. I mean, at that point in time, that was the moment, really, that it all tipped for him, wasn't it? Well, I think it, so. that was Paddy's day, wasn't it? Yeah. It was due to come out and th- obviously the sanctions came within weeks. Yeah. And at that point, definitely. Probably I, the 4th of April were the sanctions, I think. Well, so that's what it was. So yeah. I think at that point he could see a future where... All he was really fighting against was the media, the Irish media, yeah, giving He'd him a bit it. of a bad rep. And he was just going to have to fight an ongoing sort of battle against the Irish media, saying he was being slandered and he'd have other people backing him up. And really, he'd be able to continue on. Remember, we had constant things. Uh, obviously, Bob Armas changed his tune, but there was people like him. There was people from the head of boxing organisations speaking about how poor Daniel had been slandered and misrepresented. And, you know, they were coming out again and again, mm-hmm. different promoters, different boxers. And he he had an end game in mind, which was to, to have a publicity campaign to blacken the Irish media and say otherwise. And that is all obviously... And he had, of course, re, you know, very recent to that interview that he'd done, he had posed with the Pakistani sports minister. Yeah. Like, how does somebody like Daniel Kinahan mm. go from street dealer to being in that position that he's posing and he's been welcomed by the Pakistani sports minister yeah. at, at a function yeah. and treated like he is a yeah. god almost? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's an incredible achievement in if you want to look at it that way. Uh like he, he, you know, he, he must have a particular drive, ambition and capacity, I suppose. And again, I know you, did you give out to me about this last week? But, well, it's, but you know, he must have, be a talented, very talented person. I gave out to you about that for saying that about your man, well, Thomas it's Marr. Just, it's just, because you said he would have been a talented businessman yeah, because he drove trucks and stuff. No, no, but I mean. <laughs> you were just being a bit too. No, no, but I mean, I think, look, whatever about Thomas Marr, you couldn't, couldn't deny it about Daniel Kinnan, no. that he must have a capacity to make people, you know, to, 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 to draw people to him and all of that. But it, fortunately, it comes with a very dark... Uh, Side people were afraid, though. People no. were afraid. All of that. I uh, mean, people always talk. I, I have spoken to people who knew him when he was a he young was, guy in yeah, Dublin here. In his 20s, yeah. And in his teen years as yeah. well. And they describe him as being good fun. They describe him as being, you know, a loyal friend, a nice guy, a really yeah. charming guy. Yeah. You know, he was quite a hit with the women. Yeah. He was um, somebody who never touched drugs himself. He'd always give it out for the others to try them, even if they had, you know, a new yeah. e-tab or something like that. He'd never take it himself. Um, he looked after himself. He was close to his community. Yeah. And then I've spoken to people who knew him when he would have been first sort of coming of age in his yeah. father's organization and probably down around the Costa del Sol and in England. And they talk about this very dark character who who sort of initially would come across as being um, 
the guy who'd pick up the bill in yeah. a restaurant, the guy who was trying to ingratiate himself really sound, you know, he'd come, oh, I'm Dan, yeah. how are you, buddy? Yeah. And all this sort of stuff. But was very quickly, and when he got you on his own, let you know who he is. Yeah. And there'd be some sort of a conversation that you'd be left standing going, did that just happen? Yeah. Where he would have warned you that, you know, the status he had and the status you had, which was very much beneath him. Yeah. He spoke to his father always on the phone, signing off with, love your dad. Yeah. Um, and the father back to him. There was all this sort of kind of slightly sinister given what they did and, and yeah. what they were sort of think Some of the things they were talking about between them would be, you know, massive drug shipments, murder. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end of it, signing off, love you. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that the threat of violence was something that that he used constantly. I remember even in that uh, the 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 race fixing trial, mm. one of the Miles witnesses Rogers. given evidence saying Dan, about Daniel Kinnan, well, he was only a small little guy, but when he when he warned you, you knew you'd been warned. Yeah, that you know he had that absolute inti intimidating aura, and it wasn't just an aura, of course, because. They did. Oh, it was real. They there was the backup. Yeah, the real backup of it. And you know, like people who who would have known him and been in his circle as such, and maybe he would have put down. They were disappointed. They were yeah. gutted by that. They were upset. They were people who were really believed themselves to be his friend, and then yeah. just like that, he'd be able to just cut them down. Yeah, which is maybe um, the way I would have always thought. Maybe the way the father was able to operate, um, but. You know, as he as he went on, he obviously did still continue to be able to charm people, bring people yeah. into his inner circle. Yeah. He became darker and darker as time went on. He has very loyalists around him still. Bernard um, Clancy. Clancy, who is came with him from Dublin yeah. and was named in the US sanctions as being one of his right hand men and his cousin Ian Dixon as well. Yeah. He was one of the first out to Spain to the gym, the MGM gym when it opened as a boxer. I think he was signed initially and then became a coach. And um, there's others as well who have been with him since he was in Dublin who are utterly loyal to him. Yeah. But you'd wonder, are they or are they just have they no way out? Yeah. Have they no way to back away from him at all? I always thought that's what happened from speaking to sources within and close to the boxing, to the high end boxing who were engaged with them. It was like as if they were always dying for him to be arrested. Yeah. So it's the nightmare would end. Like yeah. they'd no way out of it. No, I mean, they did. They, of course, they had no way out. And, and you know, remember, we talk about the deaths in the in the feud, the, the Hutchkinahan feud, but there was many, many deaths. Uh, of other people killed by the Kinahan cartel for for minor fallouts, for minor amounts of money and for suspicions of being, uh, you know, a risk of of informing or damaging the organisation. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's look, there's no doubt he was as well, like, unlike a lot of people involved in drugs, like his level of ambition is incredible, really, mm. if you think about it. Because not only did he rise to the top of this criminal world and could have stayed there, maybe like some of his other contemporaries like Raphael Imperiale, but he had a whole other ambition to become the head of the sport, a sporting, an international sporting organization. And not just um, a silent power behind the throne, but to become kind of a personality as yeah. well, a public personality. I mean, it's an incredible level of ambition and drive. Like, do you know, we spoke, we speak about regularly the mm. famous wedding in the yeah. Burj Al Arab. But when I look at that and I don't know whether people quite mm. understand what was going on there, 
So you had, he was preparing for this wedding in a seven star hotel. This was his moment to be, to stand up and to show the criminal fraternity and the legitimate boxing world, who he was, what he had become. And he was marrying a girl from Dublin, despite how far he'd gone to Kish Island, off Iran and everything. He always came back to Dublin for something close. So, you know, Kiva Robinson, who was an ex-partner, her her previous partner, uh, Micah Kelly, was murdered, murdered yeah, by the real IRA, by the real IRA, and that she actually came out of her apartment and found his body on the road. She just had a baby for him, and Daniel Kinahan and herself began a relationship after that um, tragedy for her. But anyway, she was coming from Dublin out to Dubai to marry him, and you know there was going to be no budget limits, and the meetings and the tastings and all the rest of it. And on the guest list was the super cartel, the members of, they were coming in from all over the world, members yeah. of the criminal fraternity, everything. Loads but of uh, loads of English, really high level criminals oh, high as level. well that aren't being named constantly. Absolutely. You know? And Tyson Fury, of course, yeah. and everybody from, from that world. And in the run up to that wedding, Daniel Kinahan was arranging the murder of James Mago Gately. Yeah. A guy from his past, from Dublin, from, you know, his his sort of, youth that he was friendly with, that he was close to, somebody who had sort of stuck with the Hutch side when that feud happened in 2016. And he wasn't only just sort of like sitting back and hoping somebody else would do it. Mm. He was micromanaging that uh, conspiracy to kill Mago Gately. While also suing a local media organization who described it as a gangland wedding or whatever. Yeah. So he was also doing who that. Who was he soon? Well, it wasn't a loving, loving, loving Dubai, Dubai. out in, out in and, Dubai. And, that's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. So that's simultaneously yeah. that story went yeah. up and came down and he ultimately they apologized, I think. And I mean, it. at that point, he was probably also, I mean, certainly the organizations near him were, were had legal yeah. like letters anyway in with all the Irish media. Yeah. But to think of that, I yeah. mean, to me, that is while he was reaching for this stardom that he so desperately wanted where he was. And there was in at that wedding, there was thrones, one for him and one for her. They were to sit on their thrones. This was this was his, you know, coronation as such. And yet he was drawn back to the past, to Dublin, to the, you know, to where it all began. He seems to have this tie to Dublin that the father didn't have. No. Christy Kinahan Sr. left this country and never looked back. Yeah. He never had a grow for, for family, friends or the past. He went onwards. He was always able to move through various cultures and to, you know, learn languages. His relationships were always with women of different cultural backgrounds than his own. His current partner is a a Turkish, Dutch, Dutch, Turkish lady. Um, Yeah, it's just I find it quite interesting that there's a draw. And ultimately, I'd say for Daniel Kinahan, there's a draw to Oliver Bond. Yeah, I think so. And I think. You know, that 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 that's that's how he, he views himself as being somewhere from there. And even in his statement, I think, when he was uh, denying involvement after the Panorama program, it was very much focused on him being from there, an ordinary proud Irish man mm-hmm. and all of that. I mean, uh, and I mean, the interview with with English, James English, was to be broadcast on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. This was a to be a celebration of his Irishness, yeah. of his success and everything. Yeah. 
Like his father doesn't have that. I mean, no. we probably need a psychologist here to examine all this. But yeah, well, maybe I mean, sure. maybe. <laughs> no, look, I suppose that's how he views himself in that context, isn't it? Like, you know, he's yeah. he's a, a working class guy, come good. And I remember Bob Arum, you know, doing an interview. It was third part. He was relating what Daniel said to him. Obviously, there's no tapes or anything, but he was basically saying that Daniel was saying, I've done things bad in my past, but that's where I came from. And I'm growing out of it. Right. Do you know? And that's kind of maybe how he... He, he was sort of trying to suggest that he had to claw his way up exactly. like everybody else, and which that, he didn't, of course. Well, but maybe that's how you justify being the head of a murderous cartel is that, you know, that you came from this. This is what you grew up with. And, you know, you're, 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 you know, that's the, the explanation you tell yourself. Have you been watching Succession? I haven't watched it. No. Oh my god! Have you? Yeah, is it good? Yeah. Oh. Well, I've just watched the, well, the grand that. finale there, yeah. and um, it's extraordinary. I'm not going to ruin it for yeah. anybody who hasn't seen it, but like in a different way. Like obviously, it's supposed to be loosely the based on yeah. the Murdochs and the whole, yeah. you know, this media dynasty, this incredibly powerful, um, sociopathic, really, yeah, patriarch at the head of this family. A, a mother who is, um, I mean, odd to say the least and, and disengaged from her any maternal instincts she ever may have had. And then these just screwed up kids, adults yeah. who are still the kids, yeah. still referred to as the kids. Yeah. You know, sometimes in these very rich families, they always call them. I always used to think in the Quins when they call them the children, yeah. the Quinn children. Yeah. It's like, come on, Turn they're off. in their 50s. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, be so embarrassed. But yeah, it just it's it's just that whole dynamic. You wonder how anybody grows up normal yeah, with I mean, so he is, much look, privilege. He is, he, well, he's a, and Daniel Kinnan is a product of his, in his background. And but he didn't, as a young child, he didn't have that privilege. No, but he, he, he had poverty probably and he possibly, had yeah, and poverty he, of his father being had, in jail. And, and he certainly had criminality in his, in his, in his, around him while he grew up and, you know, Maybe he did. And addiction and all those other yeah, things. Yeah. It wasn't just criminality. So, so, so it, absolutely, he, he saw these things and they be they were normal things to him. Like any child, what they see is normal. What they grow up around is normal. Um, but, you know, does that explain or excuse anything that you do or don't do in your life as you become to become an adult? It was, you know, not that long ago that we wouldn't have even been arsed talking about him because he just seemed to be such a nothing in the whole. Yeah, I do remember that actually being said back in maybe in around the, um, you know, after Operation Shovel, people would say in in the paper, oh, he's a bit boring, is he, compared with some other guys? He's just what, like, there's nothing yeah. to say about him. He looked boring, didn't he? He looked, and maybe his, 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 his character wasn't clear, like, um, and maybe his, he'd argue his character is not clear from yeah, the media yeah. thing, but yeah, like it, look, it's an amazing story. It's just an amazing story. And like, it's not to say that it's, it, that's not to diminish the people that have suffered along the way, but as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a kind of an overarching from coming from where, from there to there, it is in, incredible, you know? Mm -hmm. And more to come, no doubt. Yeah. You won't be saying that we won't be talking about this again. No, but <laughs> Huh? <laughs> no, we think we probably will be talking about it. And this. would you go to Kish? I, I actually tell you, I looked at it and I thought that sounds actually really, really interesting. That is so screwed up. Yeah, so, so like if the if Kish Tourism came on to here and yeah. said to you, listen, we'll give you a freebie. Will you write a piece up in the Sunday World, 100%. a travel piece? I would, would you go I'd go over there. Would you sell yourself? I'd go over there in my Crocs and 
they um they're in the process of installing these ATM machines on Kish that you can you know you can actually get cash from your Bitcoin. How does that work? You put in a Bitcoin and Cody yeah, thing yeah. or something. Well, look, they can't. And yeah. they give you dirhams or something. For yeah, it. is that right? There you go. Yeah. None of you. If you've you no learn, money, if you've no money in your account, you can't. You won't get anything out of it. So you learn a slight little, tiny little bit new every day, don't you? You've, you do because I really have. You always not say heard about that. journalists, we know a little bit about a lot, yeah, but not much about about anything. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's that's a good one, isn't it? Absolutely. So not going to get a blooper out of that because I came out with it right. <laughs> so I'm delighted. Anyway, right. Well, look, we'll um, we live to chat another day. Yeah, maybe live from Kish. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Indeed. Okay. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review, or why not download the free SundayWorld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.